Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Bilal Muhammad versus Leon Edwards in an exciting welterweight tilt. There's all kinds of other great fights on the main card, including Dan Ige, who's squaring off with Gavin Tucker, Misha Serkinoff, and Ryan Spanner in action. All kinds of good stuff at the top of the card. But those of you who frequent this show know we're not going to be talking about that card at all. Instead, we are going to be talking about the prelim portion of the card only. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and asking yourself, why just the prelims? Why are we only going to break them down? The answer is really simple. While you might know some of those names I just mentioned on the main card, you probably don't know a lot of these guys on the prelims. And really, that's where money is to be won, whether you're gambling, playing daily fantasy sports, maybe doing a pick contest or something like that. That's where you win them. You win them in the prelims. So we're here to help you out in making those picks. And speaking of doing a pick I'm proud to announce that the prelim primer is now brought to you by Fanatics MMA. Fanatics MMA is the most comprehensive MMA pick app that exists today. They give you fighter bios, records, odds, all of it in the palm of your hand while you make picks. Plus the scoring system, which, let let me be honest, is really my favorite feature of the whole thing, uses the odds to show you how good you're doing. So you don't have to worry about that guy who joins your pick'em contest and goes chalk all week. Instead, Fanatics uses the Vegas odds to show you how you're doing if you were betting against the sportsbooks on all of your picks, which really gives you like a, a fight IQ score. It shows you how you're doing based on expectations rather than just a win-loss percentage. Because guess what? All picks aren't created equal. So I highly encourage you to check out Fanatics MMA and download it wherever it is you download your apps. Plus, you can listen to me a little bit later on the show. I'm going to give you a little bit more information about how you can play against me and my co-host for this week. And speaking of my co-host for this week, I would be remiss if I did not mention, joining me today, a former sponsor of mine. You might know him from AJ's MMA Betting. You can check him out on Twitter at AJMMABetting. I, of course, am talking about AJ Shulo. AJ, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Dan. Looking forward to chopping it up with you on this card, UFC Fight Night Edwards versus Muhammad. Uh, yeah, fun event. Uh, looking forward to uh, getting into these fights with you. Absolutely. And as each and every one of you know, we start each round by started putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Courtney Casey versus J.J. Aldrich. So Courtney Casey, since moving up to flyweight, is one and one. She beat Mara Romero Barella by submission. She followed that up with a submission loss to Jillian Robertson. Aldrich, meanwhile, one and two in her last three. She's got losses to Macy Barber and Sabina Mazzo. In between there, she beat Lauren Muller. So uh, my question here is that Courtney Casey, especially being that she's moved up to flyweight, a heavier weight class for her, she's kind of leaned on her wrestling throughout her career. Do you expect her to be able to do that against these bigger opponents and specifically about against somebody like JJ Aldridge? I don't know. Um, I know that jiu- uh, Casey's got the jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, but so does uh, Aldridge here. Um, I think it's kind of a wash in terms of the grappling, to be honest. I don't see either woman really persistently going for takedowns. I think it's going to be contested on the feet where I think Aldrich is better technically. She's better defensively and has better footwork. But Casey can make it competitive based on optics of her just throwing more volume and uh, throwing more power. So I actually think that despite them both being credentialed grapplers on the ground, it's going to be contested on the feet where I slightly favor Aldrich. But uh, I really feel like it's kind of a dog or pass matchup from a betting perspective because I think this one is going to be close. This is about as 50-50 as it gets, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I kind of agree with you. And I actually didn't even think of what you said there about volume until you said it is that Courtney Casey does throw a ton of volume, even if it's not landing or if it's definitely not landing hard. You know, she throws a lot of stuff out there. And I, I kind of am interested, too, on, on how that weighs on the judges. She also does a lot of other things that sort of lean her towards the judges, too, that maybe are not stuff that the criteria should count for, but the judges definitely do. She puts people against the cage. She leans on people. She holds people down. So, yeah, if I have to make an official pick here, I think you're right, especially from a gambling standpoint. Like, this is a fight where you better be getting dog money if you're betting on either of these two. So, for my official pick, I'm going to take Courtney Casey. I say she gets it done by decision. Um, If odds were of no value to you here, it sounds like you're taking Aldrich. Yeah, official pick is Aldrich. Mm-hmm. All right, and that brings us to our second fight in the first round, which is Hani Yaya versus Ray Rodriguez. Yaya, one in one in one in his last three. He picked up a heel hook win over Luke Sanders. He lost a decision to Ricky Simon, and most recently, he drew with Enrique Barzola. Rodriguez, meanwhile, has a guillotine loss to Brian Boom Kelleher in his November debut. That fight lasted only 39 seconds. So uh, my question for you, Rodriguez is a guy who's come in here his last three losses have come on the ground, two by submission, one by ground and pound. He's up against a grappler like Haniyaya. How much of a chance do you give him to avoid that grappling and win this on the feet? Uh, man, I mean, anything is possible, but it's going to be tough. I mean, it just comes down to how much does Hani have left in the tank? He's 36. He's been fighting since uh, 2002. But like you said in the Brazil fight, you know, even though it was a draw, I thought he looked pretty solid there in rounds one and two. Cardio has never been Hani's strength, but he might not need it here because, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of Rodriguez's struggles have come on the ground. I don't think he's a straight-up poor grappler, but Hani Yaya is a second-degree Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, ADCC medalist, really good scrambler, really good at taking the back. I think that Hani Yaya's wrestling is good enough to get this fight to the ground where he probably gets in an advantageous position and gets a submission here. I think Rodriguez's best chance to is to win this fight on the feet, but... Um, his defensive tendencies on the feet make me a bit nervous for him even there. So um, I, I think it's going to be really difficult for him. And I think most likely Hani does go out here and get a submission win uh, probably quickly too. And, and one of the things I would say too about Hani, because you're right, he did look really good against Enrique Barzola, is, is the fighters he seems to be having trouble with are ones that clearly hold some sort of wrestling advantage over him, right? Like Barzola and him, pretty neck and neck in terms of that. You know, like the offensive wrestling of Barzola, I actually think is pretty underrated. So he, he had some trouble there. His loss to Ricky Simon, as we've seen, Ricky Simon, an absolute beast in the wrestling game lately. And, and you know, like other than that, people haven't been giving him trouble lately. He had a nice little win streak before that. So for a guy like Ray Rodriguez, who I don't see as being an offensive threat when it comes to wrestling, you're right. I, I think this winds up on the mat early. I think it's a submission early. And I, I also think too, you know, while the odds may be, are a little bit wider than I would like in order to bet this. I think the prop bet on on Yaya by submission, or if you're playing something like DraftKings too, I, I think Hani Yaya is a smart play in either of those regards as well. Yeah, I agree with you, especially from a DraftKings perspective. Like, there's just not a lot of fighters that are safe on this card and have a strong chance to win inside the distance and grapple with the new scoring system that drafting has. It's very beneficial to get those grapplers in there. And Hani is uh, one of the few on this card. So I'm I'm hundred percent with you there. I think he does go out there and do the damn thing early. All right. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to take a quick break, talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with round number two. 
All right, guys, I mentioned at the top of the show that you can challenge me with your picks over on Fanatics MMA. And by now, you definitely should have downloaded that app. You can do so wherever it is you download apps. Now that you've got your account set up, you're going to want to click on the group tab and you're going to discover groups. You can find all kinds of groups there like MMA, Twitter and Reddit and all kinds of different ones. But what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to head out over to the Twitter account of Top Turtle MMA. That's at Top Turtle MMA. You can also find it on Instagram at Top Turtle MMA. And in our bios, we've got the link for you guys to join in on our group. So go ahead and click that link, join in, and of course, challenge us with your picks. Okay, you'll be able to see my picks, you'll be able to see Shockwave Dave's picks, you'll be able to see some of our guests on this very show's picks. So make sure you tune in there. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Charles Jordan versus Marcelo Rojo. So, Jordan also won one in one in his last three, like we just talked about with Haniyaya. He knocked out Duhu Choi. He had a decision loss to Andre Feely, and most recently a draw with Josh Kulabau. Rojo making his debut. He's 16 and 6. He last won at Combate 45, which was all the way back in November of 2019. And that was just a, a KO in 90 seconds. So, really, not even that much ring time then. So, my thought when I first saw this matchup is obviously it is a more favorable matchup for Rojo, who was originally supposed to fight Rayoni Barcelos, and I figured he was going to be on his back 30 seconds into the fight and in bad danger. But my bigger question is, is, is it favorable enough that we can give him any kind of semblance of a chance here? Yeah, you said it there. Uh, Jordan doesn't really wrestle. With the Barcelos matchup, that was very difficult. As we know, Barcelos is a tremendous talent. Uh, as is Jordan when he wants to be. My thing with Jordan is he's pretty inconsistent. I thought he fought well against Feely, but uh, he could often be wild. I mean, it's exciting from a fan perspective, but he's got this willingness to throw these like flying knees and spinning attacks, leaving them open to counters. We saw him hurt by Kulabau last time out. Um, that said, I think he's a much better fighter here, just much more tested in UFC octagon. Um, you know, Rojo here is taking this fight on short notice. UFC debut has been fight, fighting mostly on the regional scene. I don't think he's a bad striker. I actually think he's pretty solid there, but his defensive uh, vulnerabilities on the ground give me pause. Jordan's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. Uh, like I said, he hasn't shown the most willingness to wrestle, but if this thing hits the ground, I think Jordan's going to be a submission threat to him there. So uh, Jordan is a guy that I'm picking to win, but I just don't trust him at this betting line. So I'm just going to be kicking back and enjoying it. His, his fights are usually uh, fan friendly. So see how it goes. Yeah, and I agree with not only your analysis on how to break this fight down, but also the analysis of the line. I, I just think when you're, you're looking at a line, and, and I've seen it anywhere right around negative 250 and even a little steeper than that, I just don't see a lot of value on a guy who is as is inconsistent as you pointed out. He Does he have the talent? Should he go out and win this? Absolutely. And, and you said he, he's an exciting guy to watch, and so is Rojo, because Rojo throws some, some kind of like winging wild strikes as well, if you watched his, his combate fights, but... Yeah, I agree with you on this one. Jordan is the pick. It'd be exciting to see him get a knockout, but at the very least, we're going to get a war here. So um, that brings us to our next fight in the second round, which is Jonathan Martinez versus Davey Grant. So Martinez has won two straight. He picked up a win over Frankie Sines and then beat Thomas Almeida. Grant, meanwhile, has also won two straight. He beat Grigory Popov and then followed that up by knocking out Martin Day hard. So... The question here is that Grant is obviously known for his submission game. We knew that on the Ultimate Fighter. We've seen it on the regional scene. We've even seen it in the UFC a little bit. 
But his last time out, he picks up this wild knockout. It was knockout of the night on the first Fight Island card. Is the striking something we could trust here? Is it something we can trust enough in a guy like Jonathan Martinez? And, and more importantly, do you think he's going to trust it? Um, I mean, yeah, Grant, he's got a chance to win on the feet. I just I don't like his defensive tendencies. He tends to rush into the pocket with his hands low. Uh, we even saw Day drop him in round one. He wasn't like badly hurt, but he still got countered and hurt there. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, he, he has a chance to win on the feet. But I just think Martinez is a much better striker. I'd say um, just fights better at range. Uh, factory X boy tie guy. And, you know, at one of these smaller weight classes, one thing I do look at is age. And there is a wide age gap here. Martinez is much younger than Grant. I think he'll be a little faster. Um, I like the improvements that I see out of Martinez. I think that Grant, his best interest here will be to keep the fight on the ground, take it there. Uh, Martinez doesn't have good takedown defense, as we know. He's been taken down in several of his fights uh, by by Signs, by Burren, by, by Sukmintah. But um, I generally don't think he's a bad defensive grappler. And I don't think Grant is like an elite wrestler either. So... Could Grant take him down a couple times? Sure, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't think he's going to control Martinez for multiple minutes to win rounds and or um, get a submission finish. So I think Martinez keeps it standing for the most part and probably wins a decision uh, victory here. All right, so that's an interesting take, too, because I, I think you're right. I, I don't love Davey Grant's ability to get the fight to the ground, but I will say this. If he does get that fight to the ground... Maybe I don't love him to hold him down there for a really long time, but I do like his ability to advance on the back or to advance uh, maybe to a guillotine or something as Martinez tries to get up. So I, I know it's an underdog pick, but I'm actually going to go with Davey Grant here just because I think there is a possibility that he snatches up that submission in the scrambles. Um, and, and I just, you know, like you said, the age thing worries me. The long layoff thing worries me. You know, the the offensive wrestling worries me a little bit, but... Something about it just makes me feel a little bit more confident uh, in his grappling game. So I'm going to go with Grant. Uh, and that's going to do it for the end of our second round. I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number three. All right, guys. So now that you're in my group on Fanatics MMA, which I'm assuming after the last ad read you certainly are in now, I, I want to tell you about some awesome features they have. Because not only can you play against me and some of the names that you hear on this show, but there's also an awesome chat function. So if MMA is too toxic of a place for you, you can't take that anymore, that's cool. Maybe your significant other doesn't like talking about fighting with you. Maybe they're sick of you constantly mentioning how much you like Ryan's fan this weekend or, you know, they don't want to hear another word about Dan Ige. Well, get that negativity out of here in the first place because they should care. But second of all, you can chat with people who do care and who love the sport as much as you. Come get on the fun at Fanatics MMA. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this one by talking about Jinyu Fry versus Gloria DePaula. So Jinyu Fry, 0-2 in the UFC. Her losses are to Kay Hansen and Loma Lukabume. Both two very fun, interesting fights. Gloria DePaula, 5-1. She's making her debut. She, of course, got to the UFC by beating Pauline Macias by decision on the Contender Series back in November. So... For me, the interesting thing here is this is all the makings of a war. I think these two love to slug on the feet. They're both kind of fun clinch strikers as well. Who do you give the advantage to? Should we just have, you know, like a clinch slash distance striking battle here? Well, I got to say, uh, my only bet on this card is on DePaula here. Um, I do like her in the sand battle. She's 
One thing that you pointed out with the Luke Bumi and uh, Hanson matchups is those two women, uh, to my understanding, in Invicta, they actually used to fight at 105 in the past as well. DePaula is a more natural strawweight. Um, now that the UFC doesn't have a atomweight division, you know, Frey kind of by default fights at 115. So DePaula, I think, will have some physicality on Frey. I think she's better in the clinch positionally. She uh, does a good job from her head position, Muay Thai clinch, hard knees and elbows, just like Myra Buena Silva, her training partner. And I think she's better in open space as well. The more varied striker, I would say, uh, more dangerous. Uh, Frey, she excels as a striker, I think, but there's periods of time where she's very low output, which makes me concerned for her in the matchup. I think Paula's going to be busier than her. So I think actually Frey might even be most interested in getting this thing to the ground. But even there, I think DePaul is a more threatening submission grappler of the two and more physical as well. So um, I actually think it's a pretty decent style matchup, to be honest with you, for for DePaula here, assuming she's ready for the UFC level. So um, I just tell me that she is, and, and so that's why I'm picking her and, and betting her. Yeah, and I definitely hear what you're saying, and, and I'm, I don't like to, to ever pick against your, your lone bet on the card, especially after last week where you lit it up. Uh, but uh, I, I do like what you said about Jin Yu Fry, and I think her best bet is to take this to the ground and use... Uh, I mean, we saw her put Luke Bume up against the cage, use a little bit of takedowns there. She even had some grappling uh, success against Kay Hansen. I think you're right. Ultimately, this will come down to whether or not that works and she winds up with any top game or if it fails and she has to strike and she has to, to go up against a, a more physical opponent. I, I think you sort of have to make your pick on that line. Like if you think her, her takedowns fail you probably think she's going to lose a striking battle here. If you think that her takedowns succeed, you know, maybe she gets enough top game. Maybe she gets enough uh, control to win this fight. Uh, again, I, I hate going against your only play on the whole card, especially because you, you were for, for folks who don't follow AJ, make sure you follow AJ. He was five and zero last week. Uh, absolutely lit things up. So uh, I'm still going to go with Jin Yu Fry. I'm going to take her by decision. Uh, and that brings us to our very last fight, which is Jason Witt versus Matthew Semelsberger. Witt, uh, was really beat very quickly in his debut by Takashi Sato. But of course, he, he bounced back with a really nice arm triangle win over Cole Williams. That was in October. Semelsberger, meanwhile, made his debut last August with a decision win over Carlton Minus, where he flashed a little bit of, of grappling and a little bit of his striking. But both of these guys are kind of known for their, like, heavy wrestling submission style. Which of them here do you like better if this does turn into that kind of like we're going to try to bully each other fight? Huh. Um, it's tough, to be honest. I don't have a good gauge on Samuelsberger's defensive grappling based on his offensive grappling and, and athleticism, a former NCAA Division I uh, football player. I think it's probably solid. I mean, he's got a good entry on his duck under double leg. He even like, turns the corner, which is a, a high-level wrestling move, as we know. Um, he use, he utilizes the body triangle on the back for control. Um, Wit, like you said, yeah, he's that's definitely his his game. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt will sink in the hooks if presented the back, pass his guard in top position when he wants. My thing with Wit is even though he wrestled against Williams, not every fight on his regional footage, he's going out there and like often looking for takedowns. And so we might get this like weird fight where it's like, yeah, maybe they they both excel as grapplers, but they maybe want to keep it on the feet. And there uh, Samuelsberg is definitely kind of an, uh, still a, a bit of an unknown at this point, but my eyes tell me that he can maybe even uh, get a knockout here. Uh, he's got five inches of reach. Uh, he, he looks solid technically, good combinations. He counters well. He could switch stances on you. 
in wit, like you said, the Sato fight, it ended quickly. He's also been rocked, like, on the regional scene in his most recent regional fights. Uh, also finished four times via strikes professionally. So I hear what you're saying um, about, like, yeah, like, they, they both seem to be strong as grapplers. But I don't know that we're going to get this fight where um, one guy is going to really dominate the grappling. Unless if I am totally off on gauging how good Semmelsberger's defensive grappling is like. But my general lean that is that it's pretty solid. So, um you know, when it's kind of largely neutralized there, I, I tend to think we're going to get a fight that's won or lost on the feet. And, and that's such a good point, too. I, I think a lot of times when we see two guys who like to grapple, we wind up seeing a striking match, whether we want to or not. And it, I, I think your read is good on this, too. I, I like Semmelsberger's length. He looked like he used it really well against Carlton Minus. And the other thing I will say about Wit too, because I watched a couple of his regional fights this week as well, uh, the thing about his striking when he was on the regional scene is he just likes to load up on one big one. You know, like he, he, he doesn't, you know, work his way in with a couple of jabs. You know, you don't see like a jab, jab and a big straight behind it. You don't see like matching hooks. You, you don't really see any. He doesn't work to the body all that often. Whereas Semmelsberger against Carlton Minus mixed it up a little bit. He was certainly putting them together. So I think, you know, between the fact that he, you know, isn't just loading up on one shot, he is a little bit more nuanced, he's longer, and actually I think I'd give him the grappling advantage anyway. I actually really love Matthew Semmelsberger in this fight, so yeah, I'm going to take him here. I think I'm going to take him by decision, but you said you like him by knockout? Yeah, I'm going to say by knockout just because uh, Witt's been finished in the majority of his losses. Semmelsberger seems like he packs a punch, and so yeah, I think most likely knockout is the way it goes. All right, and that's going to do it for our very last fight. We hope you guys learned something about these six prelims. Just a quick note before we move on. Uh, I did want to note that two fights fell out prior to recording, and they're actively looking for replacements. Ricardo Hamosh is still looking for somebody uh, after Zabira Tuhugov fell out. And then Nazra Hakparas is also looking for an opponent after his opponent fell out too. So we're waiting on those. You may see more prelims, but of course, uh, at the time of taping, these are the six prelims we see. Now, of course, uh, I want to thank my co-host for joining me again. Once, is, once again, this is AJ Shulo. You can catch him on Twitter at AJ's MMA Betting and, of course, on his website, AJMMABetting.com. AJ, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dan. It was good chopping it up with you. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to doing this again. And uh, good luck on the event on Saturday. 